0: For well, the rest of the retreat, if you feel like asking a question, just look at that feeling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so
0: there's a lot on the consciousness. Because um, that is a very interesting subject. And uh, because it is, uh, if you find, you know, like modern psychology and psychotherapy, they're, they're really, you know, interested in consciousness now, which is a good sign. Because uh, for they're always trying to straighten out the personality and, you know, trying to, you know, deal with mental problems, emotional difficulties or emotional... Uh, uh, problems that people have, and so the, you know you're dealing with uh, people's particular karma, and, uh, and trying to put labels on it, and it goes on uh, ad infinitum. But when you get into consciousness, then this is this is really interesting because this is what we're experiencing all the time. You know, it's not not something, and and, it, and it's always rather surprised me. Like the Buddha, actually, in <coughs> two thousand five hundred fifty years ago, uh, you know, his understanding of consciousness was probably you know as good as you can get into words. And but uh, you know, I hear you know people's various views of we we associate it with thought, with thinking, with uh, you know, I heard even one quite well known psychologist say that humans are conscious, but animals are not <laughs> so obviously I think you know, we're quite consciousness with thinking because I suppose animals don't think very much. Uh, some people might argue the point, but I don't know, but we certainly think a lot, and we're and we experience. We we project thoughts into consciousness all the time. So this is like this this creating uh, of a self is is uh, is through thinking. If you stop thinking, there's no self. When you, when you, you know so you know people like Alzheimer's people that have the, where they lose their memories. You know they thought processes, but they don't have the Punya to guide them they they <laughs> they just uh, and oftentimes you know it's frightening and to lose your memory. but if you forget who you are, you know or uh, how how much of you depend on reinforcement of your personality, you know r- depend on other people or Positions in the society, or uh, professions, or degrees from universities, or uh, social status, or whatever, to to feel to make you feel that you are somebody. You know, in my own experience, the uh, judging from my own uh, ego tendencies, how much I needed affirmation from others to make me feel secure you know like I need people to say you're you're all right tomato
1: we love you and yeah (laughs) and that
0: and that so this is uh and then smiling when people smile it makes me feel okay somebody frowns and I I feel, you know, ego on the ego. If, if I just operate from the ego, that's how it works for me. Um, identity with uh, with the body, you know. This is a, a very strong a sense of self connected to the body. So, and then it, it goes into vanity, like you is you, uh, you criticize your your body because it, you know, it doesn't, you know, it it may not be the ideal body that you see in magazines or on. (laughs) 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 And then you identify with with the gender of the body. And then people now get confused because they feel, you know, I've, I've met people who, have male bodies, but they're females inside well this is uh you know this is identity with with these perceptions of male female or um, the 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 uh, genital organs or the energies that uh, different energies that, that women experience and men experience. So that this is this is our reality, this is our world, or with race, you know, with the color of the skin, or uh, the age of the body, or the social position. So these are these affirm a sense of self, and and uh, you know, pe- I've met people who say, you know, who say, uh, you know, they they've been to Alcoholics Anonymous and. And every time I'd go to the United States, this man used to meet me. I'd meet him every year and he'd say, and he'd always say, I'm an alcoholic, but I haven't had a drink for 10 years. And then next year, I'm an alcoholic, I haven't had a drink for 11 years. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, even being an alcoholic is a strong identity, you know. Or uh, sexual inclinations, being gay or heterosexual or bisexual or whatever. These are identities that we, the, the, you know, that we create in our minds. These are, these are perceptions. They are what they are. But then we, we cling to them and, and then we live, we project that into our consciousness. And, and then the result is we operate from these these kind of perceptions. Being Jewish. Being uh, um, whatever you know, these are strong identities. You know, I'm I'm not Jewish, so I don't have a strong racial identity or ethnic identity. It doesn't isn't important to me. You know, so if you're from my background, you're kind of a mongrel white man. You know,
1: <laughs> you're
0: not. you, know, you have no. Racial purity or ethnic purity to to give you a sense of you know importance about being a, a a white person having a white body. But if if you're Jewish, that that's important, and you're brought up with this uh, this incredible uh, sense of separation and and specialness that that I never had on the ethnic level, you know, never, this was never, me kind of being Anglo-Saxon or something, is not particularly a strong perception that I'd die for.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then American uh, middle class is so vast that includes most of the British working class <laughs> <laughs> and we don't, we in America we don't determine upper middle and lower middle, it's just middle, you know, so you, it's it's hard to identify, give yourself some meaning to your life because you're middle class, because it can mean anything. And yet I know here in Britain people, especially like working class people, very, I've had People come here, men who st- so strongly identified with being working class. They find living with middle class English monks difficult.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but here we—you don't care about class. But if that's the way you perceive life, you know, through a class identity. These are projections. These are created. These are not. This is not dhamma. These are. You know they can be pleasant, painful, true, false. They're conventions. There's nothing. You know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them, uh, or that you shouldn't shouldn't have any any uh, ego. But when when you're just operating from the ego level, then you're not aware of the, of dhamma. You know, you're operating strictly from conditioning, from cultural. Uh, conditioning from the sense of yourself as a separate personality so what's the way outside of that you know when you try to think about it you just you, you get caught in your own uh, cultural conditioning you know how how we see you know how I'm the American uh, cultural conditioning how it affects how I interpret Buddhist uh, terms, Buddha's teachings from the Pali Canon, definitely has its influence over how over interpretation. And you hear Westerners discussing Dhamma, and they have strong views about this is the real Buddhism, and that's just, you know, and Mahayana is not the real thing, or <laughs> and the Mahayanas uh, go on and say, well, Theravada is just baby buddhism for <laughs> beginners.
1: <laughs>
0: the preliminaries before you get the real stuff. And, and these are, you know, these these are opinions and views. They are what they are and then they, they bring up emotion, like a, for example, Uh, I became very attached to Ajahn Chah as a teacher. You know, so I felt very strong loyalty, a sense of loyalty uh, to this uh, this monk. And so then uh, one year we had a, seemed to have a, a lot of Westerners coming who were very critical of Ajahn Chah. And uh, and this and then they criticize Ajahn Chah I me and I would get very upset. So this is uh, you know I could see that that uh, you know I had I had a certain view of Ajahn Chah and when that view was was being put under criticism, then I would feel uh, threatened or upset by that. But then, if, if I you know, then I be, but I became aware of this attachment to a, a person, to my own projection, my own view of him. wasn't I was attached really to him at all, <coughs> but to my own creation of Ajahn Chah, or my own view about Thai Buddhism, or Forest Tradition, or Vinaya, or you know, the conventions that we use You form, you know, if you have a, I have a, a strong sense of loyalty to things that I commit myself to, which can be very blind, you know, it can be a good quality, but also can be a very blinding one. So you you, you can go by the amount of suffering you have in regards to these. You know, I question: Why do I suffer so much? Somebody criticizes Ajahn Chah, and then, uh, then I'm looking at this feeling of you know of, of, of my perception and my emotional reaction and and that towards uh, negative uh, criticisms. And and by observing this, this this awareness of it, then is. Is not trying to, to uh, you know, criticize myself or the person criticizing, or to go believe you know, believe that their criticisms are, are uh, you know, worse. Uh, maybe they're maybe they're valid or maybe they're not. But the point is, is to be aware of the suffering that I'm experiencing due to attachment. And so this is... And this you can only recognize through mindfulness because the mindfulness is where you detach. It's not, you know, it's not an annihilation of anything, but it's a letting go, a releasing, this, this blind grasping of conditioned phenomena. And so this is where the satisampatanya, uh, when you you see this this relationship of ignorance, uh, desire, and grasping of desire, this sequence in your life, then, then, the, then the, you know, it's you're, you have the insight, you have a, a gut knowledge of letting go. It's not, it's not theoretical, you should let go of this. You can think I should let go of everything as a kind of, you know, Buddhist uh, ideal. But letting go is, isn't, you know, even though we know we should let go of all kinds of things. But oftentimes we we can also be attached to the idea of letting go. Where can you win on that level? You know, it's the catch-22 problem of, you know, binding yourself with attachment to views and opinions. Because even the opinion that you should let go is still an opinion. An opinion is an opinion. It may good opinion. It's a good opinion, I think. <laughs> but, but it is, at the end of the day, an opinion. <laughs> an opinion is something you create. And so, this is like trusting yourself is getting to recognize it. <coughs> that. Uh, this this ri- This attachment to desire, wanting something you don't have, not wanting something you have. so this is this is for investigation. you know the, these words the Buddha used, mani so manasi, yoniso manasikara, is like you're getting to the root, you know you're going right to to your own consciousness then. You're letting go of, of your projections and attachments and conditioning to be, to to recognize, realize pure consciousness. So the, this pure consciousness then is like this. Now when I'm doing this and you know I'm really, I, you know as I've been talking about sound of silence, this, this sound of silence is very clear. and so then then i'm still conscious and yet i'm not thinking non-thinking is like this and the thinking that that i'm doing now is a more functional it's not proliferating thought like wandering mind and worry and and uh, conceit and fear and all that it's, this is just pointing using using language to point at this. So so when I point the way it is, the suchness, the data da. These are these are uh, can be used as skillful means, just w- ways of using thought to to emphasize that this is it. This uh, this this the reality of consciousness is now. Now, in this state of consciousness, this this is a natural. This is a natural state. So it's not. I said I don't create it out of ignorance. It's not. I you know if I claim it, uh, uh, then I'm back into thinking again. I am fully conscious. Person <laughs> is uh, you know I'm creating an ownership with it. But if I don't bother to own it, but just recognize it. Recognition like this is like space in this room, you know. You just recognize it's around you, it's even going through you. You know, all your cells and everything are really empty, they say. But it, you know, you don't have to know it on that level, just the, the space around you know, you're sitting in space around here, there's space between you, space, you. The space above you. Look at the window space. <laughs> I'm not making this up, <laughs> and this is not a, a high state of samadhi. You know, I'm in a specially <laughs> refined uh, place that only very advanced meditators can ever recognize.
1: <laughs>
0: it's just noticing the way it is. So in, in um Dhamma teaching, you know, the, the, we we investigate the material world usually through the four elements, the solid element, earth, fire, water, air. Now this is this is another skillful means for investigating, say, your body. What the solid element, the liquid element the fire element and the air element, because these are, you know, the it's a way of looking at your body that is not, uh, you know, seeing it in terms of of self. It's not, you know, you're looking at it in terms of the elements, which, which you know, we, we don't connect with as, you know, I am the earth element, or, I mean, the, you know, it's it's sometimes it amazing to think how you know how your body's what 90 percent water <laughs> <laughs> you think we're just these watery creatures sitting here <laughs> 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 and air you know uh, this is and yet this is this is quite obvious you know when you start contemplating the element so this is taking these concepts and using them for looking at the way it is, you know, the, in terms of looking at your your experience, your body, not from its gender or its age or its it, it, whether, you know, you, you see it through vanity or aversion or whatever, but just through these four elements which in themselves don't arouse any special strong uh, emotions. And then there's, now there's the four elements, earth, fire, water, air. then there's space and consciousness. Now notice the relationship, space and consciousness. These have this unbounded sense. They They don't have boundaries. Earth, fire, water, and air, they tend to, you know, form a make a form, a condition, and but then they're in space and consciousness. So what I'm emphasizing this is that is that we can um, you know, in, in trying to encourage you to to contemplate, to recognize consciousness, not as something you can't find it as an object. You recognize it. It's like space. Oh, it's this. The space. I, d- I don't have to. Where is there space? <laughs> 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 uh, just notice it. Consciousness is just notice. This is consciousness. And then you're thinking about it. What do you mean this is consciousness? And so you start thinking and doubting and, and getting. But now, this is where, you know, the thinking mind, why I encourage you to observe the thinking. Not trying to suppress thought, but observe it. It's like this, you know. So, so you know, I, I've spent so many, so much meditation over the years listening to my thinking. But not in terms of, you know, of of try just getting, enter- entertaining myself with interesting thoughts, but just listening to even the most banal, most silly or foolish thoughts or vain thoughts, or frightened ones, or conceited ones, or stupid ones, nonsense, or intelligent. It doesn't matter the quality anymore. So just like uh, the assumption, like when I started meditation, um, I felt I was very, I was very unhappy person, confused. Didn't know what to do with my life, and I knew I needed to do something. Uh, And and I had an interest in Buddhism, and I was living in Southeast Asia. Uh, So, um, you know, I I wanted to practice Buddhism in order to get to know myself, free myself from these defilements and these doubts and worries and problems in order to hopefully become enlightened in the future now that brought me into my buddhist monasticism uh, and into meditation that desire for me to get rid of my suffering to through some kind of you know learning about buddhism and hopefully i would become enlightened through it but then there was always the fear that maybe i'm so messed up but maybe this is, I can't get enlightened in this lifetime because you hear all these stories about you have too much bad karma you can't meditate in this lifetime or there's one question here <laughs> let's see uh, about have you know, bad karma blocking you off in, and obstructing your practice well these this is uh you know, if you want to believe this, that that will be the obstruction, your belief in it. So <laughs> I'm so I'm encouraging you not to believe it. You know, I don't care what you've done in your life, you're a serial murderer and whatnot. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's still, you know, an encouragement is to awaken, not to You know, how many people have you killed? Well, you can never get enlightened in this lifetime. you you probably have to work it out in uh, 84,000 eons of uh, unmitigated Avicii hell, the lowest horrible hell that there is because you are, you've made such bad karma and you deserve it. You should be punished for a long time. We all hoping Hitler is going to stay in hell for ever
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so <laughs> so I mean this is the revenge you know you should be punished for being bad and and, um, and then there's theories about you 'll be reborn as a as uh in some something some kind of like rat or frog or whatever. Now, what is it? These are thoughts, aren't they? Now, just putting them into context of what they are, even though I'm kind of making fun of them now, despite that, it is, it is, you know, uh, if because of your bad karma, you probably, if you don't make a lot of merit in, and and uh, support the sangha with lots of money, <laughs> you're... You're definitely going to have a rebirth in these lower realms of like frogs and slugs and <laughs> vermin. <laughs>
1: so
0: that that's one way of thinking. Are you going to believe that? <laughs> mm. Then, uh, then people do. We tend to exaggerate our faults. You know, many of us tend to exaggerate. We you know, the faults we do have. We see ourselves always in terms of I'm just, you know, not good enough or I did this this uh, terrible thing in the past and I've got to be punished for it. How many feel that you're going to be punished for things you've done or you should be punished for things you've done in the past? Well, this is all creation of the self, isn't it? The sense of I'm somebody with a past i am the owner of these the, the, i've done these terrible things and and then there's also a feeling that we should be punished for it and a fear of that punishment now now awakened consciousness is is, is you know you you you're, you're not trying to avoid this or convince yourself that you can become enlightened on a personal level i'm not saying that But if you have enough faith just to observe that I am somebody that needs to do something in order to become an enlightened person in the future, that is, you know, listen to that. So I would listen to this. I am this uh, screwed up person that needs to really practice meditation in order to become... Enlightened in the future. Now, listening to that, you know, I'm I, I'm thinking it, intentionally thinking <coughs> this self-view, but I'm listening to it, you know, and then I can repeat it over and over till eventually, I, you know, the sense of it, uh, you know, the the strong sense of self is it kind of diminishes as you keep repeating the same thing over and over. It's just, uh, you know, it can be just like a litany of uh, out of ignorance. I am, I am, I am. <laughs> now when now when you're listening to yourself thinking, can you listen to yourself thinking? Now if you're just lost in thought, you don't notice. You could even know. But if you stop just proliferating and just intentionally think. So this is an intentional practice. I am screwed up person. Need, I need to practice hard in order to become enlightened. It's not that it's even wrong, but it is what it is. It's a condition, this sense of I am, not what I should be. There's something wrong with me, uh, and therefore I've got to work hard and practice a lot in order to become a person that is uh, that will be enlightened. I've got to make a lot of good karma so I can have a good rebirth, and I won't be reborn in... Lower realms. You see what I mean. You you can play with it, and just you know. And but the the important thing is to recognize this. So that which listens to this scenario is not that. It's consciousness. You're creating this the sense of yourself as a as a person into consciousness. But that which is listening to your self creation. That's con- that that's consciousness that you don't create. So you're creating out of memory, out of language, uh, this sense of I am this person. And by by this kind of listening uh, I you know, I found the the sense of listening because the uh, L- ability to l- listen. Uh, you know, whether you're in a... You know, wherever you are, you can listen. If you're in a dark room, you can still listen. Can't see anything, but you can listen. Or you can listen to yourself, your own fear. I'm, Oh, I'm afraid of the dark. You know, you can listen to your own fear of the dark. You can listen... T- to somebody else, you can listen to the sounds of nature. Listen to the the water falling, or the rain falling, or the sound of a stream, or listen to the sound of silence. Listen to your ego, your vanity, your fears and desires. Listen to them, and then it's not judging. It's not. It, we know we listen to it and we think, "Oh, that's a bunch of rubbish." So calling it rubbish, is still that's a value, isn't it? That's a judgment we place on it. Doesn't matter if it, you know what its quality is—intelligent or stupid. We're listening to how we project thoughts and sense itself into consciousness in the present. And so then the, the future is what's going to happen to me in the future. Uh, my past, uh, I've done uh, things in the past that I'm going to have to pay for. When I die, I'll probably, you know, take, a, you know, several rebirths before I can, you know, and be punished enough to pay off this this karmic debt, this terrible thing I did in the past. <laughs> uh, so I mean, this, you know, in the scripture, there's the Angulimala, which is, a, you know, is a serial killer. He was trying to kill the Buddha. That's a serious one. <laughs> <laughs> the others are, you know, just ordinary people.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like you and me. The Buddha, you know, that, that's heavy karma. And then, <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then, of course, the you know the Buddha stopped his his mind. So this is you know a scriptural story. Now, a serial killer, according to our values, should be punished. You know, should be put in prison or hung, executed, uh, made to pay for it. But uh, he he, uh, he ordained as a monk, became an arahant, or was an arahant. But then the karma being a serial killer would pursue him like wh- where he, wherever he'd go, people throw rocks at him rather than dropping rice in his own bones.
1: <laughs> 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 But he
0: he could accept that because you know he was realized what you know the, this is his vipaka karma. But if, uh, if he, uh, you know, as an irony, there's no sense of himself as a sep- as a person anymore. Now, just think how free it is. Sometimes we, we, we find it frightening not to be a person, not to have an identity. So mindfulness can be rather frightening and terrifying. For, uh, you know, I've known people who really. Uh, be terrified by you know you feel like you're going to lose you know you don't know who you are and you're, you're the 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 things that you depend on to make you feel like somebody is, are falling away and so it's like you're dying a sense of death of dying and and sometimes people panic at this stage because. You know, they. It's like you know, you're being sucked into a hole of some dark hole of oblivion because so much need to, to, to you know, so much dependence on identity on the conditioned level, being a person, being somebody. But this is where the, this. Um, this uh, refuge is is what like for me developing this sense of refuge the Buddha Dhamma Thanga <laughs> and it, these are just words too but they're it's a skillful means not an identity. As I remember in, in uh, you know going through a stage where I was I, I felt I was dying that monasticism was killing me and I thought, you know, this is, you know, I'm in, in the kind of inner voice. I kind of like a screaming voice there, I want to live. And then everything began and I think, this Buddhism is evil, you know, it's, it's, it's all about death and I, I'm dying, I'm, maybe I should go back and become a Christian again. <laughs> <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, you know, there is a, uh, I have a Christian background was brought up as a Christian. So there's a karmic connection, of Kama, having been brought up in Christian Christian uh, family. But, basically, I didn't really believe it. You know, I, at an emotional level, I could experience it, but my trust has been in Buddha Dhamma Sangha rather than in Uh, fear of disappearing or dying. And then Nung Pa Chao was always good at saying in Thai they die going die. And and, and in Thai they were, die is same as die in English. Die before you die. And uh, that's interesting. Because Shakespeare, you know, there's a sonnet. Poor soul, the center of my sinful earth. And death once dead, there's no more dying then. And this is in a, uh, uh, this is a sonnet, Shakespearean sonnet, death once dead, there's no more dying then. And this is what Lung Ban Cha was saying. So maybe Lung Ban Cha's reincarnation of Shakespeare. <laughs> Now these are, these are significant reflections, die before you die, before your body dies. So like the ego, letting the ego die. I'm not killing it, I'm not, you know, it. zap it and get rid of it. But <laughs> this, the, but the, if you, if you have this uh, ref, sense of refuge, or trust in awareness, then you can, the the kind of emotional patterns, the the emotional needs, dependencies, and all that. You, you can let them operate through consciousness. You know, you're watching them rather than trying to control them, resist them, or attach to them. And this is what modern, uh, you know, psych- psychotherapists are talking about now, you know, allowing into consciousness Rather than just trying to get rid of bad habits, and uh, you know, th- and always make everything that your fears and your desires so so terribly personal, you know that that you shouldn't have. And these are abnormal to be frightened like, you know, your obsessions with fear that that's abnormal. Normal people aren't like that, and and your kind of passions your you know your jealousy and these are y- your 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 what you're attracted to it's it's not normal <laughs> <laughs> and so y- you know this w- to think i'm not normal is you know it's still the ego isn't it and somebody some some authority figure telling telling me i'm not normal you know is, is Is even you know you think you know and I was before I meditated I thought you know psychologists could read your mind they knew everything they could tell me well you're not normal (laughs) (laughs) that means you know something wrong with me and uh, then uh, and then the fear and and kind of despair all kinds of reactions where like in this you know whatever whatever you know, the, the conditions are. Some are, you know, good or bad, right or wrong. They are what they are. But, but they arise and they cease. Now, mindfulness allows suppressed emotions and things, you know, that maybe you've never let accepted consciously, allowing them into consciousness in the present, meaning you're actually letting them go. And so reflect on this. This, this when fear, panic, selfishness, uh, whatever you know—all the maybe the the kind of emotions and 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 uh, repressed fears and desires that that you've just tried to resist and control. When you're allowing them into consciousness, you're not—you know—you're you're actually letting them go because it's. Through being conscious of them as as conditions changing that they actually they are resolved, so it's it's like a purification you know you you, you know when you recognize your your ba- you know you're pure, your true nature's purity, not on a personal level, you yep. know my personality, even after forty years of monasticism. I can hardly claim my personality is, has any purity to it. It is better than it used to be, is the best I can say for it. <laughs> but, uh, personalities are conditions, you know. So they're not, there's no way you're going to convince yourself you're pure through, you know, analyzing yourself as a person. It's it's in its awareness. That you recognize, realize purity is this, consciousness. So it's like purity never deserts you. It's never that, no matter what you do or think, never impurifies the purity, never stains it. Its purity it can't be stained or destroyed, but you. You don't. You forget it. You don't notice, and you get caught up in, in your delusions, which can be, you know, full of negativity, and fear, and aversion. So it, I know this is, you know, thinking about this is. Then we get all these questions. Because <laughs> but uh, uh, this is where the, you know what I'm encouraging is to, is to not think about it like the unconditioned or that to think about it. You know, when I think about the unconditioned or Nibbana or no self, the thought process moves to a kind of nihilistic mode. Because notice like thinking is dualistic function of your mind. So the Buddha said in the, In his first sermon, the tamajaka Pavantana sutta it's not Kanu yoka atta, it's not Kilamatanu yoko, which is, it's not a kind of eternalism or an annihilation. It's a middle way, majima Bati Bata." Now this he made very clear in the first sermon after his enlightenment. Now the thinking process will move either towards eternalism or annihilation. So, so, eternalism is, is a kind of positive thinking, all is love, and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and very, you know, brightening up the mind with positive concepts and beliefs, uh, that you believe in. I believe that all is love, and that God is good, and that, that, uh, when, you know, if I behave myself, when I die, I'll, go, I'll live forever in a, in a blissful state with God. And, uh, and that, that is a, you know, it's a very, uh, if, if you can believe that, that, that at least is a happier way to live your life. And then the other extreme is uh, it's all meaningless, empty. It's, uh, you know, it's oblivion. Once you're dead, you're dead. That's it. Oblivion. Life is meaningless. And there's no purpose to it. Uh, All conditions are, you know, they're impermanent and they're suffering. And so when you follow that kind of thinking, then you, you, you go toward a the logic from that attachment to that <laughs> kind of thinking will take you to a kind of nihilistic result. Emptiness is a kind of void, a sterile void of nothingness. Where eternal heaven is, is happiness forever. Ha, ha, (laughs) ha, forever. And so, (laughs) now this is, just pointing out the limitation of the thinking process. You know, that that there's the positive and the negative. So you have a, you know, you have one, then you have its opposite. So, Believing in in eternal happiness can also lead you to hopeless despair because you're actually you know you're binding yourself to both because it's the condition the conditioned realm that you're limiting binding yourself to un- to the conditioned realm which is un- which is very nature is dukkha or suffering or unsatisfactory so then the um, and then in England, because English people are good at compromising and and not being extreme, you know, settling for, well, you know, we do the best we can with <laughs> what we have. And <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to be, you know, it's not it's not very, it's vulgar to kind of boast and expect to go to heaven and Proclaim you know, all your <laughs> positive qualities, and, and it's a little more—you know—it sounds more humble if I tell you how my faults and my weaknesses. At least, you know, in this country, you, you know, say I'm absolutely fantastic personality. You know what? With the English would just be appalled. You know,
1: <laughs> you can—you can
0: do that in California though. <laughs> 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 so, but the, so the middle way, Majima bhata is, is not like a compromise between these extremes, but it's, it, it's, uh, it's embracing both extremes. Because in consciousness, consciousness includes both. It includes both the eternal and the nihilist. It includes right and wrong at the same moment. It, consciousness isn't picking and choosing, isn't preferring anything. It's it's like this space, you know, whatever comes in, in this room will receive it. The room in itself, the space in this room, is say, uh, You get out of here because you're not good enough to come <laughs> in this room. <laughs> I mean, one of us might say that, but not the not the space. So, so then, uh, so then, when you when you begin to recognize consciousness is there. You know, it's not like uh, you don't go into a trance or become unconscious, but it, it's pure. And and from this point, it's like stopping. It's like not knowing anything, because you're not attached to to trying to figure things out you're just fully present resting in the present alert open receptive and then then from there you you began to to uh, you know you can investigate the condition phenomena you're not just you're not just rearranging the conditions endlessly into patterns and and that that you know just for something to do, but you actually have perspective on your own, you know, the karma that that you're experiencing in the present. So this is like enlightenment. Is 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 this? It's seeing with the light on. It's not not a kind of you know flash, a blinding flash of. of of light, but it's like I see this awareness isn't like startlingly fantastic. It doesn't seem like much of anything when you're looking for enlightenment, which sounds like something very (laughs) extreme, I want to get enlightened and it's so, it must be wonderful to be enlightened and, and then you hear about how the earth shook and quaked and everything when the Buddha was enlightened. And then, you know, when, then you, when that doesn't happen to you, you think you're not enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now, this, this is where you, you kind of contemplate the, the value of light. Like consciousness is light, isn't it? Even in a dark room, a pitch black room where you can't see anything, and you know you're you're looking your eyes are open you're looking at the blackness but there's still consciousness operating now if you abide in the consciousness if you're just reacting to the blackness the darkness then you can get frightened you can create anything in a dark room because you can't see You you can imagine ghosts demons snakes spiders scorpions Anything you, you know in, in a dark room, but if you're, if you know this, so light la- consciousness itself is, is you know is, is luminous, and so we're beginning to recognize this natural state, natural way, this, the nature of dhamma is like this, and then, then the conditions, and their qualities, you know come and go and change according to other conditions. So let's see here's one what can you say about the rat extermination planned in Amravati? I didn't even know about this plan. <laughs> Uh. And then another one about: Are the jhanas necessary to experience enlightenment? Is, is enlightenment sudden or gradual? And these are these are ways of talking about you know the you know the, some people hold to the gradual and sudden, but what is gradual and sudden? But concepts. So just you know. Don't give so much importance to these. These just make you doubt and question, you know, and then you've got to figure out it. you know, on John what does he think? So I, you know, if I say both and where does that leave you? <laughs> In order that John is necessary to experience enlightenment not necessary to even contemplate them. <laughs> you know, they're, they're fine. Jhanas are fine. But but if you think, I've got to get the jhanas first, what are you doing? I'm somebody who's got to get jhanas before I can get enlightened. You're still perpetuating the same problem endlessly. Or am I the gradual type or the sudden type?
1: We <laughs> <laughs> no, like, really can...
0: Then this on retreats, reading is not encouraged, as it is considered to be a distraction on the mind. What are your views on this? And so, I, you know, the, during this retreat, I'm encouraging not reading because, uh, you know, well, I'm encouraging you to, to observe this wanting to distract yourself, because uh, life gets really boring here, and and. Uh, you know, have a good novel to read.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and break the monotony. But, you know, during this retreat, what I'm encouraging you to do is uh, observe that, you know. Observe boredom and frustration and and, uh, you know, doubt, endless doubts and, and uh, impatience with yourself or Feelings of I can't meditate or, you know, whatever you're feeling about whether, you know, yourself at all, you know, uh, have the encouragement to have the courage to just look, it's like this. I'm bored stiff. (laughs) It's like this. (laughs) (laughs) And... So about uh, can the mind be obstructed for s- seeing the truth of the Dhamma by our past deeds? And so this is another self-view, isn't it? If I say, you know, if I if I encourage you to think, well, you know, it can be. You know, y- your past deeds will definitely influence your practice on this retreat, <laughs> and then and then you could. Spend the retreat worrying about that, or you know, be go right to the right to it. You know, the doubt about because of my past, well, am I obstructed uh, in Buddhist meditation? Is thinking isn't it? It is thought. It is what it is, and it is a sense of self. You know, I my pa- I've did these things in the past. Uh, and and so you 're you you 're identifying with memory and uh you 're attached to memory, the sense of yourself as somebody who has a past and and then you know, doubts about your ability to get anywhere with meditation because of past karma. This is all conditioning of the mind isn 't it it 's sakya uh, personality view. Now I'm not dismissing it, you know, saying it's, it's rubbish, but it is it is what it is. And and this strong sense of self, self criticism or lack of self worth, uh, you know, feeling that you're not good enough or you're you 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 know, is is like this, you know, so you when know, I feel unworthy and and, uh, you know, self-critical. I've trained myself to be aware of it. feels like this, to feel myself as somebody who's unworthy, who can't do it. It's like this. Now then the sound of silence in the background, that sense of self as being unworthy is conscious, is in consciousness. But it's also changing. You can't, you know, you, it's not permanent or anything other than just uh, something passing through consciousness. So this is where the puto, the, the awakened consciousness, knows the dhamma rather than me, Ajahn Sumedho, knowing all about, you know. Well, you know, there are stories about people who've done terrible deeds and it takes lifetimes to work off this bad karma and <laughs> <laughs> that's not Dhamma, you know, in the sense that I'm, I'm operating from a, from a, a self-view and an interpretation of what I've heard, where... This Buddha, Bhutto, Tamo is direct. Isn't it? it's, it's observing. It's not trying to deny or, or reject anything, but recognizing all conditions are in Nietzsche Dukarnata. So these three characteristics are called Dry Lakana, the three characteristics of existence. Impermanent, Unsatisfactory, not self. So, so you know, these are. This is the nature of conditioned phenomena. That which is aware of conditioned phenomena is not conditioned. So the self, the secondity, is conditioned. So you're not that. But you you might believe you are that. Is the problem. <laughs> so that's why I'm kind of. Challenging you to not believe it, you know, you know, not to deny it or repress it, but to recognize it is, it is Condition is if if this is the sense of yourself is 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 you're feeling that now you can recognize it In the present it's like this And then the non-self is is pure consciousness it's awareness and and then the the uh, the kind of joy that comes from not being anybody you know not having to be anybody or prove yourself or win the prize or fear failure or you know uh, old age or sickness death loss. Well, on a personal level, these can be great, you know, fears and anxieties in our life. <coughs> but if you, if you realize deathlessness, then death is merely, you know, is dying all the time. You know, your your self views and Kama rises and ceases. It's going on all the time. Birth and death is, a, uh, but you're you're not. Somebody anymore who who is uh, demanding it be otherwise nor am I saying I'm deathless <laughs> oh <laughs> because that whole that whole way that whole construction of I am doesn't mean anything anymore merely functional so. answered all your questions.